shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit Welcome show. back to Shit Show Saturday, and we have Stevie Baby. Woo. My new nickname. I love it. Yeah. It just it just rolled off the tongue one day, you know. Yeah, well, that's how they have to come. You can't force them. It it it, it goes well with uh, what we're talking about here because the, I was called Stevie my entire childhood. Oh, so but is that I'm triggering the, to you then? No, no, no. The baby make it better. I think the baby just brings it all together. Um, makes me feel more like a man. <laughs> more like a man, Stevie yeah. baby um song oh this is a recent one and i think it's perfect for how my life's going um noah khan the song growing sideways no idea what that is i didn't never even heard of him until somebody suggested it to me noah khan yeah there's i mean there's a background to him he's like uh he's in recovery and a lot of the words of his song just kind of like remind me of recovery and this song even has some stuff about the generational trauma stuff in it. Which, uh... Yeah. Carbohydrate. Um, I'm gonna have to answer that two ways. So my go-to is cereal. Okay, what like, kind? Late at night granola with like nuts mm. um but with almond milk but okay. um but part two. shout out of course to i don't have this every day but my uncle owns a pretzel shop and he takes like bratwurst or sazitas or hot dogs and he will wrap that entire fucking thing with pretzel dough Mm. And he'll serve serves it with different sides of different mustards, honey mustard, spicy mustard, and that would probably be my favorite. Okay, cheese. Um, probably just a sharp cheddar. Okay, like a bag cheese. Oh, I love the bag cheese. <laughs> I, I don't. I get scared walking over that overwhelming like non bag cheese section. Oh yeah. Stick, yeah. stick to the bag shit. yeah <laughs> i went to whole foods the other day and there was like somebody standing there waiting to talk to people that wanted to talk about cheese and i was like get the fuck away from me like that's too intimidating straight to the bag yeah. um okay i kind of think i know what you're gonna say but what is your condiment so it, can i i'm gonna answer this two ways again because okay. childhood fucking ketchup everything steak and ketchup and then as an adult, when I found out mustard had zero calories in it, then I started eating all sorts of different mustards. And now it's I knew mustard. you were going to say mustard. Yeah. Are you an avoidant? I know I avoid a lot of shit. Romantically? Yes. Well, I am scared to death to even begin to tell somebody that I am interested in them. And then also every relationship in my past, after I saved them from something and we started dating then I didn't want to realize I had nothing in common with them but I avoided breaking up with them mm. so okay you hear that folks more evidence for the avoidant mustard hypothesis okay so how did you find out that you were an adult child oh um it definitely happened in phases but 
the very first moment before I even knew what the word was for it, I was in treatment uh, for drug and alcohol use. And I remember being in the little trauma education class and told myself I was going to give everything a shot to, to figure out how I was going to stop using drugs and alcohol. And I remember up on the screen, it was like four sections and it was like fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And I'm staring at all of the different indicators that that's what you're doing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like it's my life 24 seven. Every single one of those happens to me. So I raised my hand and the, she's like, Steven, you have a question? I'm like, um, I'm like, how is it possible that I have all of those, but I've never had any trauma in my life. And she like, she just looked at me all awkwardly and she's like, well, it might be something we have to look into. And next thing you know, I had a woman in her office and off to the races. And that's when I realized that me saying for who knows how long, because I being through drugs and alcohol, I was asked plenty of times, have you ever experienced any childhood how, or trauma? How was your childhood? And it was always, it was fine. It's fine. It's good. Middle class family. Uh, thing good. Never, never was beat. Never sexually abused. Good. I mean, that was the moment where I, for the first time, went. Maybe I should look into this. Mm. So. But didn't hear the term. No. So, I guess phase two of that was my AA sponsor was also in ACA, okay. and he started explaining to me for the first time that it wasn't just adult children of alcoholics mm. because that was the second thing that happened to me was well my dad was a recovered alcoholic before so he wasn't an active alcoholic while I was uh, a child so I can't qualify for that and then he kind of explained the dysfunctional family part to me but it's still like dysfunction had a bigger definition to me than what I had experienced like I was mm -hmm. I thought you had to have like missing limbs yeah. and like talk properly <laughs> Like, I don't know what my definition was, but it wasn't what or like the lights getting turned off or something like the power, you know, water being shut off or something like that. Yeah. And then it was definitely, I mean, the laundry list sealed the deal. I mean, when I was showed that for the first time, I was, I was 12 with a 14 until I figured out what the fuck a para-alcoholic was. Oh no. Yeah. 13 and 14. Mom, all of them. How long had you been sober when that happened? Probably about six to eight months. Wow, early. Yeah, I mean, I've had longer periods of sobriety, but the, I like to describe it now as that's the most recovery I've had because it was like nonstop every day. Like I got, I got to get this shit right, and like doing everything everybody told me, like that was uncomfortable, and so yeah. Well, I'm excited to learn more about your addiction, just because I don't know that much about it. Um. But let's first talk about your childhood. Where to begin? Where to begin? So youngest of four. And I think this is a big part of leading into where I'm at now that I'm sure we'll come back to. Um, youngest of four, but my second oldest sibling is next oldest is seven years older. So there was like one, two, three, all within two years of one another. And then seven years here I am. Like I said, it from the outside looked normal. I mean, church going, like I said, everything seemed normal to me, but 
I think the, uh, let me put it this way, like all I remember now are a few highlights of events and then yelling. Mm -hmm. Like that's my memory of probably as I can remember through getting into like high school. Mm. There's very few events that I can actually link with the exact age that I was because it's all just kind of blended together from uh, dad yelling at mom. Like you actually triggered some a memory in me the other day when you were talking about how you like got high off of like that because I, I think I do have a memory of the same thing where I was sitting like sitting on the steps like just waiting for that next shout so my body would jump mm. and then it's like yeah I mean what were their themes like what did they typically fight about oh it's money almost every time um I think my mom was a smoker so a lot of times it started with like have you been smoking in the house like I mean, it was just all sorts of little things. Dinner, that was another big one. How poorly, how poor dinner tastes. Like Jeez. just, yeah, I mean, it was um, like one of the memories that I have that came up with, actually, this is a memory that uh, pairs with like my adult child discovery phase. Cause I was in therapy and we had to do a timeline of my childhood and we got to one where I remember we were we had ordered pizza we brought it and it was laying down in the middle of the living room I remember being surrounded by my dad and my brother my mom was in the kitchen and then they were fighting I think about who knows what and my dad got mad and he like opened up the pizza really fast and it flipped over and it fell upside down on the carpet and of course I'm there and I'm putting it all back in the box and that's my favorite kind and I went to grab a piece of it because I was still going to eat it because I didn't want the other kind and that was my dad like slapped it out of my hand and he's like no god damn it that your mother can eat that shit it fell on the floor so I told the, the therapist that story and I was telling it like I was just talking about the weather yesterday and her reaction was oh my god like I'm so sorry that that happened mm. and that was the first time like I think I had told a childhood story that wasn't like in our family setting where we like would make fun of our childhoods and joke about it um mm. which uh I mean that 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 was my role like when we were younger and all still under the same roof it was like when dad was gone let's sit at the table and joke about all the mm. shit that's traumatizing although I didn't know it was traumatizing then was your dad in AA he was a dry what I would know as a dry drunk now so he was uh he went through AA but I guess he was cured he was one of the of ones that was yeah when um how do you know much about his alcoholism no there's uh that don't talk portion of the program that's that's in full effect in my family no nothing do you remember learning that he was a recovering alcoholic or a non-drinking alcoholic 
Um, just no, just through glimpses of when I started being old enough for him to like start trying to tell me that drugs and alcohol were bad, and he would just reference that he was recovered alcoholic. And then after that, I just got reminded of it when uh, I was struggling with it myself in later years. So like, of course, he knew all about it because he he was in it at one time. Did your mother drink? No, uh, no, never drank. And so what was your relationship like with your parents individually? So do you want me to answer that like from my view as a child or? Yeah. Okay, because looking, I'll answer it the way I know it now. Because like I was afraid of my dad, but learned my people pleasing because I everything was done around the house to make sure dad was never upset um so definitely just constantly feared him mom i was her emotional support so like it was always trying to console mom um i mean that was really the only way i can describe the relationship itself i mean there's a I confided more in my mom. I talked to her, uh, felt somewhat safe around her. Um, but I also, looking back on it now, like, <laughs> I mean, I was, she was the one that was like feeding me a lot of the um, negative coping techniques that I have now. Like, I remember, like, the don't tell your father, like, here's how to lie. Like, let me teach you how to lie and we just won't tell him about this. And um, yeah, the relationship was fucked up. <laughs> so then tell me about when you started to use drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, 17 is my first use. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was an athlete, always played sports. And what was your sport? Uh, well, I eventually landed with golf, but I played soccer, baseball, basketball, um, anything sport related that I could get into. Uh, my first use, I can just, I remember seeing kids come back and they're talking about getting high in the lunch, like at during lunchtime at school. And I saw how much fun they were having. And like, they're, oh my God, you guys are hanging out outside of school. Um, and just decided to try it one day. And I think it's worth, worth mentioning, like one of my friends that uh, was part of that group, I think his exact words were something like, you were like the last person I ever thought would want to get high. Like, cause I, I mean, I really was, I was just the goody goody, type student up until then, like follow the rules. Um, yeah, but little did I know that like that, that decision would take me down a pretty long, dark road once I said yes to using for the first time. So, so I started with marijuana within probably a month. I drank for the first time and, uh, there was girls involved and uh, 
um, trying to impress them. I can remember it was in my friend's basement. And by the end of it, I was jumping on one of those exercise trampolines in my friend's mom's basement and like remember losing all fucking balance and then falling over and something breaking. And then the next day finding out like it was a box of like his mom's dead mom's China that she inherited. So that was my first experience with drinking. Mm. Um, but as it progressed, I mean, it was literally just chasing something new every time. Uh, there's cocaine in there. There was um, heroin in there. Uh, eventually decided that I needed to, like I liked uppers more than downers. So that progressed into like pills, Adderall, and most recently, like my biggest struggle, like with Adderall, when friends would stop giving me their their pills or whatever, got tired of that. Then I uh, got into actually using meth, and mm -hmm. that within like probably used it a total of. Mm. Actually, let me rephrase that. So the first time I got into meth within like six months, I had lost everything. Went to treatment for the first time, uh, came back and it was COVID and I was trying to stay sober by myself when everything was shut down and then eventually started using again. Uh, and then within about six months of that, again, I not only had lost everything, but now I was losing my apartment. Um, lost my job and checked into treatment um, again, which was the last time, uh, that was April 16th of last year. So talk about what early sobriety was like this time. Was it like, cause so for me, when I got sober, so I got sober at 18 and I was sober for six months, but like for that time, the obsession was lifted from me immediately. I kind of had a bit of a pink cloud and then when I relapsed and then got sober again, it was so fucking hard. I think I wanted to drink probably like every day for the first year. So what was your experience um, this, this time around? Well, I think, uh, I mean, through 12-step terminology and my rock bottom this time was something that I will never want to experience ever again mm -hmm. for the rest of my life because... Um, I've got a daughter and, uh, how old is she? So she was nine at the time. She's 10 now, but so like that last day I'd been up for probably, I don't actually, I'd, I don't know how many days straight with just like mm. occasionally sleeping here and there. At that point I was losing my mind. I was thinking like my apartment was a, like filled with mold when it wasn't mm. and, like just this crazy shit was going on. Um, but I managed always to get it together. And I still showed up for my daughter, which was having her ninth birthday party at my parents' house with the rest of my family. And um, there was uh, a couple things that happened there. Like I got there and I just knew everybody knew. I because it's like, I'm like, I'm, this is ridiculous. I, I, but still in the back of my mind, I was trying to hide it a little bit, but uh, 
through a couple things that happened where I'm just like looking at my daughter and like I can almost start to see that my family's distancing the kids from me and I had this thought that was like this that's that's it this is enough like there's I may have fucking ruined my own life but I cannot take another step forward knowing that I'm going to ruin this beautiful little girl's life. Mm. Um, and so when we sat down to eat, uh, like all I was, like I was trying to get the words, like mm. I need help, like out of my mouth and it just um, wasn't happening and then like uh, I was sitting there and everybody was eating and everybody was talking. And instead I just like, just erupted with tears. And like, I was just remember so many tears falling and like people started talking and I still couldn't talk. And um, my brother-in-law who has been in AA for 21 years, he's like, what are you saying? I was like, I need help. And he's mm -hmm. like, well, do you, uh, and they had mentioned the word about treatment. I'm like, yes, I like, Cause I didn't want to tell them what had been going on. Cause it's like, but I just, I don't want to tell them what I just told you about all my like history. Cause it's, um, I mean, at the same time, I, all this shit's going on. My dad's in the process of dying from cancer. He's sitting at the table. I mean, it's just a, a yeah. perfect definition of what a shit show looks like. <laughs> um, so that's mm. how it began. <clears throat> and um, when I got to treatment, I remember the first couple weeks of being there, in the back of my mind, I was just thinking to myself, what the fuck is gonna be different this time? Mm. Like I've tried AA, I've tried NA, I've tried like religion, and what the fuck is gonna be different this time? And then there was one person that came and he was just like, I would, we almost described him as a preacher. He would just come in and talk about 12 steps and like higher power and stuff like that. And when I heard him speak, the only thing that I remember is the thought that I had after he spoke, which was, oh my fucking God, it's not that none of this shit worked. It's I didn't fucking do any of it. I'm the mm. classic definition of the person that just went through the motions, um, had the goal to stop drinking or using drugs in which you can accomplish that pretty quickly. So now that I've done that, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And then just did everything to please a sponsor to make it look like I was going when working a program. Uh, and it worked plenty of times for a year here, a year there, two years here. Um, but this time it's like when I, heard that it just like opened up my mind completely to the accepting that it was me. I'm the fucking problem. <laughs> like I'm the one that needs to do the work. So fast forward a little bit and that probably a couple days after I had that thought leading to the whole um, discovery of the seeing the trauma response slides. And I don't know if I knew it then, but I described that now as like why like I'm so in love with ACA and how, how I feel everything that we're doing in my body. And that, like, I know this is the right path that I need to be on that will pair everything that I'm going through, like with the fact that I was in, abusing drugs and alcohol because 
I, what was always missing in my recovery was the why. Like, I am a why person. Why? Like, what's the fucking cause? Like, mm. not to knock any other uh, 12 steps, but I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, the only requirement is to stop using. Well, that's it. Like, like that's I want more than that in my life. Yeah, like, easy peasy. I, yeah, I've been there before. It lasted like two and a half years. And um, so once that mindset got in my head and uh, I started uncovering the why I have so many fears, why I have so much shame, it was like, holy fuck, this isn't from 17 years old when I started using. Mm. Last time I had this fucking feeling, like I'm triggered back to a memory of my childhood and it just kept happening over and over again. Every time I felt a feeling that I had suppressed for 20 years through addiction, a memory came with it. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, I, I think uh, just to kind of summarize, like my that feeling into that of needing to use is definitely completely gone. Mm. It, I've said this at a few like speaker meetings that I've been at that weren't necessarily twelve step related, but they're in a treatment environment, and I just the best way I can explain it now is like my new addiction is to feelings. Like I want to fucking feel and I want to feel like all these different feelings that I've never felt before since I pushed them down. I want to laugh. I want to cry. And um, to me, like every time I can get some tears out, that's like a drug to me now, just feeling emotions for the first time and not having anybody tell me that they're incorrect because it makes them uncomfortable. It's just like a freedom that I've never had in my entire life. Mm. I mean, for me, that's where it gets, like when it comes to feelings, depending on what day it is, like I'm still back and forth to understanding feelings. <laughs> like it, one day, like I think I'm not feeling them. And I'm like, I just wanna feel my feelings. And then something will happen and I'll feel them for a split second. And then I'm back to the mindset of thinking that I just feel them too aggressively. Like they come in and they hit mm. me so hard. And my body's biological response at this point is to go, whoa, 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 nope. Not gonna, not gonna do that. And then they're fucking just stuck. And so far in my uh, recovery this time around, put me in a ACA meeting and I will get those fucking tears out because like I've never felt so safe in my entire life than being surrounded by people that are understanding um, and like know not to say something or not to touch me if it happens. I think that is such a big part of uh, why uh, ACA works for people like us as adult children because there's no there's just like so many rules against doing anything that resembles fixing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so why don't you talk because it's something that you've talked about in group and just navigating the relationship with your family now so navigating it is actually let me set a little background because this 
So when I went into treatment, my daughter moved in with my parents. It was several months later that I uncovered all this adult child stuff. So to give you a paint a picture of where mind is now, my mind is, this is like, I feel like when I found out the answers to like all of my life's like problems, now I'm like, oh my fucking God. Now I've just put my daughter in the same mm. fucking situation. So for me, I'm constantly battling that. Um, mm. mm-hmm. My relationship is, I've got an older sister that lives in Kansas City that's out of the picture. Uh, I actually just started talking to her again and it's probably the healthiest relationship I have with anybody. But the ones that I'm dealing with more on a weekly basis are with my mom and my middle sister. Like speaking program language, I would say my sister is just like my mom and neither of them know it. They're like the most codependent people in the family. And uh, me going over to see my daughter is like, I'm triggered on the drive over there. Like the environment of, I think even being in that city where there's been so much pain in my life, either from addiction or from the childhood stuff. It's like, by the time I get there, I'm exhausted. Um, So navigating it is, I've tried having a few conversations with my mom since my dad since passed and just been like, mom, I really, would like to explain some stuff to you, like trying to explain what I've learned about uh, my experiences in my childhood. And I mean, I was just immediately, the walls went up, how dare I, like my childhood was fine. How could I be saying that stuff? Um, so the my relationship with my mom is, I mean, it's just, I've, I've been, she's, a, she's made herself a victim since I've tried to to bring it up. And then my middle sister, she comes in and she's gonna fucking save my mom, defend my mom. And that's the one that I've been talking a lot about in group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten uh, my, <laughs> my middle sisters blamed me for my mom not being able to grieve my dad's death. Um, she's, thrown back mm. she's they say they've helped me with my recovery but then they throw it back in my face when I don't do things exactly the way that they want me to yeah I mean I, every month or so I'll get a new text message from my sister wanting me to try to re-explain myself to her of why I haven't just moved in with my mom to help out with uh my daughter and stuff but uh at no point do they want to have a conversation. It's just if I don't do everything that they say, then it's like they don't want to listen at all. So there's there's not really much of a relationship with anybody. It's just me going in and trying to be a father through the means that I have right now and then hoping that I don't get triggered enough to lose my shit with any of my family members when they're around. How is the relationship with your daughter? Um, so... It's still being repaired for sure, but I mean, I'm having moments now, thanks to 
like going through all of this work that are assurance that I am on the right fucking path. The one that comes to mind was like, I remember getting a call from her just hysterical one day, not, not crying, but angry. She's like, I am so mad. I just want to call my mom and I want to go stay with her tonight. Mm. Grandma pissed me off. And I'm like, what happened? And she's like, well, I came home from playing at my friends and uh, she, my niece was over and she's like, she, my niece or my cousin was playing with my uh, makeup. She got all my makeup out. She was putting the makeup on and she was doing this and she was doing that. And uh, then I told grandma and grandma said, well, oh no, just, you shouldn't be upset by that like you should just you should share your things and uh so then I started to say well and then my she just said back to me she said I know I already know what you're gonna say you're gonna take grandma's side and you're gonna and as soon as she said that it gave me this pause to think about everything that I learned and I I was like had this memory of somebody like listening to uh somebody like explaining um like how when we're children we are like the purest form it's like it's like the mm -hmm. first chance that we're like our true self and mm -hmm. um and I thought about it and I was like wait a minute my 10 year old is right mm -hmm. like somebody came into her home where she's living mm -hmm. got into her things without asking she should be angry. Like she, sh she is exactly right here. So for the first time I caught that before responding and I said, actually, no. And I told her, I was like, be angry. You should be angry at that. And that's not right that grandma said that to you. And I was like, I understand if you want to call your mom and I go ahead and I just, and the night and day difference between the response that I got with when I said that, which was her feelings were validated and she just kept talking and we had a conversation mm -hmm. and I like guided her through it. Whereas every previous time she would just shut down and stop talking and then get mad at me. And it's like, oh my God, this is, this is the program in action right here. I'm living it now. And I think uh, if I'm, I'm hope, I'm hoping that, um, God, it's so hard to say, hard to talk about, but um, I'm hoping that one day down the road that uh, I can constantly recall that memory as being like the, the turning point in this like dysfunction that our family has had for so long. Um, mm. Like, one like the first time somebody's feelings were validated in our family like instead of just being told that because the parent couldn't regulate their own emotions they had to not only shove their own down but shove their child's down because mm. they couldn't handle theirs and like I'm hoping that that memory can serve as the time where like it, somebody said no fucking more like this is the last fucking time that this is going to happen um, at least on my watch and uh, but uh, yeah so it's it's constantly being rebuilt but at the same time like the situation has me picking my battles and sometimes I just have to let the dysfunction happen 
because the uh, pushback that I've gotten mm-hmm. from the family and just trying to be turned into this. Uh, In the uh, scapegoat role. Mm-hmm. Correct, which I've mm-hmm. been since I was 17 and started mm-hmm. using drugs and alcohol. Um, and it, I mean, it is, it is intense when it happens too, like, um, cause it, they go, they go straight to the throat. I can relate. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was some powerful shit, Stevie, baby. Well, thank you. Three things that you like about yourself. I think number one would just be that I just have the courage to be as vulnerable as I, as possible to be able to uh, talk about this shit. So that's number one, my vulnerability. Um, Number two is how loving of a person that I know I am, which I actually had this thought the other day, which kind of made me smile. So we talk about how you can't suppress any emotions without suppressing them all. Mm -hmm. Well, I've also related that to love. And I think that's like, I mean, we make fun of ourselves a lot with uh, having trouble with relationships and everything. But like, reason I was smiling about it is because it's like, I think some of us are just like over fucking stuffed with like love that we've never been able to express Mm. to anybody. Mm-hmm. like because we've just been in like survival mode and it's just like we are just desperate to like let that love come out with somebody that's willing to accept it and um it's like I'm starting to feel that and starting to love myself more so love is a word that I've been able to say many times a day ever since it started coming up or students have been working this so I know it's in there and it's always been in there and I'm happy to be able to start expressing it for myself and others now. So vulnerability, love. Love. What? Love. Oh, love in a funny voice, I get it. Yes. And then third, I would say it's my willingness. Mm. It's my willingness to like just keep keep going like keep on keeping on yeah i mean i know i'm on the right fucking path I, it's not i'm not gonna do it perfectly every time but i'm gonna wake up the next day and just fucking keep going you kind of just answer this but if you want to have a different one but hope or dream for the future um it's really just to set myself up to be able to be as present in each moment mm-hmm. as possible. Like to be my true self, to not have this fucking subconscious that's got me worried, living in so much fear. So my dream is just to have so much freedom that I can be myself 24 hours a day. Beautiful. Beautiful, Stevie, baby. I just, I said this in the, I don't know if you were on on Tuesday, but I said this, we have such solid dudes in this community. All of us ladies in the shit show community are so lucky to have such remarkable stand-up gentlemen. So, so Uh honored to have you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And then, you know, it's, this is actually what you just said there 
is why I know I'm on the right path because for 39 fucking years, I lived my life thinking that there, I was the shittiest fucking person on the planet and that like, I, there, I was the, the thought of having somebody say that to me never crossed my mind. And within a matter of six months of really working hard in this and like giving it like everything that I have. And what I mean by everything is just really believing that all of this is the right, right way to go for me. And like the number of times that I have people come up to me and tell me like how much I've helped them. I can't thank you for being so vulnerable. And like the quality of people that are flocking around me in my life versus what I had. I mean, it makes me, it actually, it's good and bad right now for me because it also, somebody that's got as much shame as I do and like, insecurities mm -hmm. i'm like comparison comparison yeah so it's like it happens and then i have to like go did they really mean that like it's back to like the second guess but i know yeah well thank you my dude that was great what's holding on